to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 3rd of January 2010, entitled, This One Thing I Do in 2010, and the Bible reading is taken from Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 to 21. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. If you'd like to open your Bibles this morning for our scripture reading to Philippians chapter 3. Our passage, the text that will be looking at today is, I guess, one that is often used at the beginning of a new year, and uh, but we haven't looked there in quite some time ourselves, and uh, so we're going to look back there this morning. I invite you to stand with me for the, to honor the reading of God's Word beginning in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but done, that I may win Christ. Be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from hence also we look for the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Father, we do thank you so much, Lord, for this privilege of being able to be together here in your house this first Sunday of this new year on the calendar, the year 2010. Father, we thank you for all of your many, many blessings of this past year. 
Father, we thank you so much, Father, that we can have the confidence of knowing that as we embark upon this new year on the calendar that, Lord, we can have confidence in you and knowing that we don't go this trip alone. Father, we look for you to some way, somehow, in each and every decision and each and every step to guide us, to direct us, to show us the way that we must go. And Father, as we walk this path, we ever look for our Savior. We ever look for his return to this earth to call us unto himself. And Father, we pray that even this day as we gather here to worship, to magnify, to glorify you, we pray, Lord, that you might take and use these feeble attempts by the power of your Spirit to speak to each heart. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. God gives us so many wonderful things. He gave us His Son. He gave us a new birth. He gave us a new nature, a new heart, a new life, a new hope. He gave us a new task, a new purpose, a new meaning to life. He gave us a new future. Even here as we just read in the Scriptures looking for that, that new body that is ours in a new home where nothing ever gets old and nothing ever wears out. Matter of fact, he said, Behold, I make all things new. To us today, He's given us a new year on the calendar. My question simply this morning is, you know, every time that we're given a gift, we have a choice of what we're going to do with it. You can receive it or you can reject it. You can take it and toss it aside and never look at it again, or you can take it and you can use it. Even as God gives us a new year in this life that we have before us. We have a choice of many things that we can do with it. We can use it or we can waste it. For some, it may be a new start. Maybe the old year wasn't so good in some ways. Or at best, maybe it just wasn't all that it should have been for you. Maybe that's because that there's some that when we look, we recognize that if we're honest, we realize that we haven't really lived for God as we should. But there's a chance for a new start. For some, it may be a, a new hope. Maybe those unfulfilled dreams that we still hold on to and hope to see in the new year ahead. So oftentimes, maybe things that we have prayed about for so long, and yet we've not, we've not seen them come to pass yet. For some, it may bring new obligations and new responsibilities and new jobs and new families and new positions and many things. For some, it may mean a new resolve just to carry out the old responsibilities more successfully. The Apostle Paul, in writing here to the church at Philippi, we know that in some sense he was looking at his own life as he writes to them here in this passage. And he tells them here that he realizes that, you know, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't apprehended yet. He wasn't all that he should be. He was still pressing towards the mark, the goal of that high calling that is each and every believer's in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
See, look here as he wrote to these Christians. We find that Paul is both looking back at his past and looking forward at what the future might hold. He recounts some of his sufferings to them and he recounts some of his accomplishments. But then he really comes back and says, hey, what I'm going to do is turn my back on all of those things that are behind me. Because it's what's ahead that's really important. It's what's ahead that I can actually do something about. There is not an individual here this morning that can do anything about this pasture. You can't change, you can't undo, you can't redo the things that are gone. And Paul was looking. In essence, as many of us, just rededicating our life to the Lord, increasing our efforts for Him. Paul is saying, I'm going to reach forth to those things that are before us. I'm going to press towards that mark, the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. The greatest prize I can have is to have God's approval. Most of us don't want to be disapproved by man. But folks, that's a pretty small thing in comparison to the approval or the disapproval of God himself. The most valuable of all gifts we can attain are those gifts that he gives us. That there is absolutely no living human being can give to us. We find that as the Apostle Paul here, he really was looking at the means to where that the new year that was before him could count for something more, could count for something and not just be wasted time. You've heard me say to you so many times, God has given you this time right now, right where you are on this earth for a reason. What does God want to do with your life in the coming year? Many times we can get so focused on just surviving. The, the economy is so bad and things are so hard and this is so tough. But oftentimes it's too easy just to lose focus of what does God want to do with me today? What does God want to accomplish with my life? Things that are eternal things that will matter for eternity rather than these temporal things that can so flood our minds and occupy our times while we are here. We find that I wonder how many of you have heard those words said to you in, these, in this past week, Happy New Year. Anybody here not had it said to them? <laughs> Matter of fact, somebody made a comment the other day. Isn't it funny? I think it was when they'd been in Tesco's or somewhere. And, you know, it's only at Christmas that sometimes the clerks will actually take time to speak to you and say Merry Christmas or Happy New Year or something like that. The rest of the time they don't bother to speak usually. But I've had it said to me so many times. But the truth is, Happy New Year's don't just happen by themselves. All the well-wishing in the world will not accomplish what God wants to accomplish with your life in the coming year. It's amazing as we look at this scripture and we think of our triune God because did you notice there in, again, looking back to verse 13 and 14, Paul said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended to have taken hold. He said, but this one thing I do, this, how many? This one thing I do. That's our thought for this one thing I do in 2010. This one thing I do. If you don't do anything else, if we can take the Apostle Paul's example here, this one thing I do in 2010. 
You ever made New Year's resolutions? How many of them have you really kept? <laughs> you know, it is a time when many times we do stop and automatically we think about those things that we need to change, that we want to change. We want to, to be determined to do something that's going to be better. Well, I'm saying to you that as we sang that hymn earlier, I am resolved. It's good to make resolutions. It's good to resolve some things. It's good to be determined, but not just a bunch of wishful thinking. And if we're going to resolve to do anything in this year ahead, may we learn from the Apostle Paul, this one thing I do. But you notice he said this one thing I do, but then he says, he mentions three things. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. This one thing I do. You see, it's all tied together. The one thing that he's doing, in essence, is the pressing towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. But you can't press towards the mark without forgetting those things which are behind and, he says, reaching forth into those, into those things which are before. These three are all tied together in one. If this one thing is to be accomplished, it must be done by forgetting, reaching, and pressing. That's what we want to look at just for a bit this morning. First of all, forgetting. Forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting requires repentance. You see, the only way of truly forgetting and putting something truly behind you is through repentance. Repentance is always the first step towards God. For the sinner... No individual anywhere has ever been saved without first repenting. You can't turn to God and still be facing the world. You must turn from the world. You must turn from your sin and turn to God. It is an action in our lives of repentance for the Christian. It was repentance that brought us into our standing before God that gave us that position that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ that nothing can ever change. But the joy and the benefits of that, that position that we have can certainly be altered. Sin. Sin can cause us to lose that joy. Sin can cost us that sweet fellowship with the Lord. Do you remember when Adam and Eve were there in the Garden of Eden? When God came looking for them in the garden after the sin? He asked Adam a simple question. Adam, where art thou? Where are you, Adam? That wasn't because God needed to know where it was, was it? It was because Adam needed to look at where he was. <laughs> Where are you, Adam? Of course, God knew where he was at. But the question needed to be asked for Adam's benefit. Adam, look at where your sin has now taken you. We find that David, King David, the man that sometime back we looked at the passages and talked about, I mean, a man after God's own heart. And yet, what was it that took away his joy, his happiness? Sin. And it was David that had to fall upon his knees, had to repent and cry out to God to restore to me the joy of my salvation. He still had his standing, but he sure wasn't enjoying it. Because something had taken that from him. The simple truth is, folks, we need to recognize and realize there are things in every one of our lives every day that's called sin. And it's those things that will hinder our walk and it will hinder our fellowship with the Lord. Maybe that's why that 
under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul recorded, recorded those words that we need to die daily. He needed to die daily. He needed to, to die out to those things that were before, those things in his life. He needed to, to die out to that flesh. You know, a lot of times, as soon as you do it, or as soon as you say it, or as soon as you even think it, boy, the Holy Spirit's right there. You know, that was wrong. <laughs> that was, I mean, no time wasted. I mean, instantly, you know it. Well, the reality is, from that moment, if we don't take time to repent right then, if we don't take time right then to deal with that sin, guess what? Your joy is going to begin to fade. Your joy is going to begin to, to leave you. We find that we should not let a day pass us by without making absolutely certain because, you know, there's also some things that if we stop and examine ourselves, some things we thought or did that maybe we didn't even think about at the time. But they're there. Why is it so important to communicate with God continually, to make sure, to go to God and ask Him to search our hearts, to show us if there's things that are there? Surely, it should go without saying that truly the first step to a happy new year, the having Happiness, having joy in our lives would be to forget those things which are behind. Repent. Repent of those wrongs of the old year. You see, we need to repent of our sinful acts. David was miserable. We wonder sometimes why that Christians aren't more happy, why they don't feel more happy, why they don't enjoy life more, why they're so depressed, why they're so down. David was miserable. Boy, you can sure see a change in the Psalms after he repented and asked the Lord to forgive him and to restore unto him the joys of his salvation. Everything that flowed out of him changed. I want to tell you something today. Real Christians... Not just those that are religious, not just church attenders with all the best intentions in the world, genuine, born-again children of God, those that have been spiritually birthed into God's family. It is impossible for them to sin and then have an easy conscience about it. <laughs> you see, you can't just write it off as nothing and be happy. If you can do that, then it's a sure sign that something is missing, and that something is called the Holy Spirit, the God that lives within you. Peter, I mean, a, an apostle, a follower of the Lord. And yet when it came down to the crunch, he denied the Lord three times. We find that the Bible teaches us when he was reminded, you see, it was when that cock crow. You know, to start with, he made a little step. Just denied him. No, no, no. I didn't have anything to do with him. <laughs> next, next time he got a, a bit more determined about it, he began to, to curse and swear. You know, he, he wanted to identify himself more with them. You know, the interesting thing is when he went that third time to deny the Lord, suddenly that cock. Oh, he remembered what the Lord said. What does the Bible say? Two words that he did next. He wept bitterly, the Bible says. As soon as he was reminded and knew of his sin, how could I do that? I mean, here he was, no way, Lord, I'll never. Everybody else might forsake you, but I, I would never do that, Lord. Words. But when it came down to the action. He did forsake him. He didn't have any peace 
until he came back and he repented and he reaffirmed his love for the Lord. Do you want to forget those sins that you've committed? Do you really want to forget them and put them behind? Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind. There's only one way to do that. That's through repentance. You can't sweep them under the carpet. You'll never be able to forget them until they're under the blood. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. You know, the only if part in there is on us. If we will go to him and confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then he promises to put them behind us forever, to cast them into a sea of forgetfulness, to put them as far as the east is from the west. You see, true, genuine repentance puts it away. Paul said, forgetting those things, which did you blow it last year? I mean, if you genuinely, honestly, as a child of God, look at your life. Was it what it should have been for the Lord? Did he have the place in your life that he ought to have had? Well, if the new year is going to count, the first step is repentance. <laughs> it's not easy for any of us, but all of us need it. There's not a one of us here that doesn't need to repent today and every day of our lives. But folks... If it's left undone, there's many things that are going to remain there that's going to haunt you, that's going to take your joy, that's going to keep you unhappy. And guess who wants to keep you there? The devil. Satan. That one that I guess we'll come back to talking about again next week. He wants to keep you right there. He doesn't want you to be happy. He doesn't want you to have a happy new year. He doesn't want you to know the, the joy of your salvation that ought to be there, that peace that passes all understanding. No way. But right now, today, is it going to be just another year? Or is it going to count for us? We need to repent of our sinful acts. We also need to repent of our neglected acts. Maybe it's not just out and out open sin that's been a problem, but maybe it's neglect. Neglect of Christian duties, neglect of Christian responsibilities. Maybe during the past year, Christ and his work, his church. You know, this isn't Pastor Larry's church. It's God's church. Maybe it's been neglect. Maybe during this past year, too many other things have crowded him out, have crowded the Lord out, have crowded his work out, have crowded his church out. Isn't that part of what the Apostle Paul is talking about that needs to be put behind us? The story is told of a godly man that raised a, a large family of boys. Daily, the mother would pray that God would see fit to call at least one of her sons into the Lord's work and maybe send him to the mission field or something. The day came when God answered her prayer. The boy was preparing for the ministry and he was accepted for service in China. He married a godly young lady and they both surrendered their lives to full-time missionary work. And the day came for them to leave, and all the family was gathered together for a reunion to say their goodbyes. The mother was working away in the kitchen, and one of the sons noticed that she was crying. Mother, he said, this is brother's last day at home. He's going out to China just like you prayed that he might. He's going to need help, and he's going to need courage. Just brace up now and... Not let him find you weeping. I'm not weeping because he's going, she said. I just wish that I could do something for him to, to make him more comfortable and to make things easier for him when he gets to China. 
The son replied, Why, mother, you've done everything for him already. You've gave him birth and you cared for him in childhood and you made it possible for him to be educated, to be able to do these things. You've, you've done everything possible to get him ready to go. As the tears rolled, she said, well, maybe I've done a little something to help. As the son put his arm around her and said, mother, don't you think he's the best boy you have? She said, oh, my boys are great. And she said, the best that I have isn't good enough for Jesus. <laughs> you know, how many times would we have that kind of an attitude with the things that are the dearest to us in this life? See, to this dear mother, there was nothing more dear than her own children. And even in that, she was so proud. She had the best. And yet, even the best isn't enough for Jesus. Not that Jesus isn't happy with our best, but he deserves more than all that we can give him. Even when we give him the best of our time, or do we want to keep it for ourselves? The best of our talent and our abilities, even when we, even the best of our money, our finances, we give him the best of all that we have. We find that so many times, so many times, if we really stop and pause, we realize he deserves so much more. <laughs> he deserves so much more, and yet we just crowd him out. How can we even think of giving him less than our best? We find that so many times, week after week, he's neglected in order to give ourselves, something that we want. You see, it's not that he's wanting to make you unhappy, that he's wanting to take so much from you that we've got to realize there's no greater way to know the blessings, to have the fullness of life than for him to have first place. I say we need to forget those things which are behind. We need to repent we need to repent of our sinful acts. We need to repent of our neglected acts. We need to repent of our wrong spirits. <laughs> Maybe one of the most overlooked sins in the Christian life. Oh, the Christian maybe wouldn't dare go to the wrong place. He wouldn't dare tell a lie or steal or take a drink or do all these things. Morally so outstanding and he's Got all the little I's dotted and all the little T's crossed. And yet within the heart, there harbors that hatred, that jealousy, that malice, that envy. Those attitudes towards others. A sin that just as surely separates us from God as any other. Matter of fact, the Bible says when we come to the altar to bring him a gift, and if we realize that our brother has all against us, we need to go to the brother, we need to make things right, and then come back to God. We don't realize why is our lives not more fulfilled? Why aren't they more happy? Why aren't they more joyful? This one thing in 2010, and this one thing that we must do, has got to begin by forgetting those things which are behind repenting of those sinful acts, repenting of those neglected acts, repenting of those wrong spirits. When there's something wrong between you and someone else, there's something wrong between you and God. If these feelings are left in the heart they will eat away at your happiness. They will take away your joy just like a cancer. They'll destroy the power of your spiritual life. <laughs> the little story of 
Deacon Joe, we'll call him. <laughs> Deacon Joe and his wife were on holiday out west, and of course, if you've ever read any of those western, out west stories, or seen, you know, one thing that is common to the west is rattlesnakes. And nobody likes rattlesnakes. Well, not many people anyway. <laughs> we find that Deacon Joe and his wife were on holiday, and they'd stopped, and got back in the car, and as they started down the road, suddenly... Those rattlers start going, and here's this big rattlesnake right there in the seat between him and his wife. Well, I don't know what that would do to you. I know what it would do to me. <laughs> and that's exactly, I mean, it absolutely scared him to death. But without thinking, without thinking, he just reached over and he grabbed that snake and he tossed it out the window. I mean, he was terrified. And if he had stopped to think about it, he probably would have been too afraid to grab a hold of it and throw it out. But if he'd stopped to think, at least one of the two of them probably wouldn't have been there either. <laughs> I say that to say this, that sometimes when you notice something in your life, you notice that some of those feelings that you're having in your heart just aren't what they ought to be, and they didn't just come out of nowhere that they're just as dangerous to your spiritual life as a rattlesnake would be to your physical life. You wouldn't hesitate. You wouldn't hesitate to either get rid of that rattlesnake or get out of his way, one or the other, without pausing, even though that you might be afraid of the situation. It would come natural. And in our spiritual lives, that's what we need to act quick sometimes. We need to get rid of these things before they bring permanent damage to us. When these attitudes are just left to fester and to get worse, situations can only get worse. They can't get better by themselves. But preacher, it was all their fault. They did this or they said that. And maybe you're right. Maybe it was their fault. But as a Christian, you're the one that's being destroyed by it. Those feelings that are in your heart will destroy you. And you've got to get it out. Whatever it takes, whatever the cost, you've got to get it out of your life. Sometimes the right thing to do is far from the easiest thing to do. It's not always easy to carry through with some of these things, but... I'm saying to you this morning, the first step, the first step to this one thing, it is one thing. If you're going to press towards the mark, the goal of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus with your life this year, the first thing that you must do is forget those things which are behind. And the only way they can truly be forgotten is through repentance. You'll never forget them because they will never, ever, ever be gone until that happens. Now, there's two other things. We're just going to come back and finish those up tonight. I want to give you these in case you're not going to be here, but I trust and pray you can. You see, the first step, the forgetting requires repentance. But the second step, the reaching, requires resolve. He said, forgetting those things which are behind. But notice he says next, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Those have got to be forgotten, gotten rid of, in order to reach forward to the things that are before. Literally here it gives the idea of stretching forward. The whole metaphor is that of running a race. The Apostle Paul always often used athletics when it come to his metaphors and trying to get these pictures across. And this is one that would have been used in running a race, heading for that finish line. Stretching and reaching, forgetting what's already been run. Reaching.
reaching and stretching to go towards the mark, towards the goal, the finish line. This was his resolve. You see, it's a good thing. As we've sang already, it's a good thing to say, I resolve and mean it from our hearts. You may not always succeed in every one of them, but you're never, ever, ever going to attain. If you're ever going to attain at all, you've got at least to be reaching for something more. You must at least resolve to be a better person, a better husband, a better wife, a better parent, a better child, a better Christian. Paul wasn't the only one. What about Daniel? Daniel resolved that he wouldn't defile himself, didn't he? He was carried into captivity as a boy. He was put in training to become the, the king's counselor. But of course, the king didn't only prescribe his studies for him. He prescribed the food that he was to eat, didn't he? I mean, he was going to be required to eat pork and drink wine, which was forbidden by the Lord. He chose to obey God rather than man. He kept his vow, and he lived a holy life, those 70 years. Oh, yeah. Remember the lions did? It wasn't always easy. <laughs> Seems like that maybe in going against the king like that, it would have caused him to lose out. But do you remember what really happened in the end? <laughs> he won the heart of the king, didn't he? You see, we go around all the time. We said, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. But we got to, you know, we don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> with our Christian values, with our Christian morals, with our Christian lives. Truth is, is I think a lot of times they look at us and they wonder, you know, what's different about you anyway? <laughs> what's so different? <laughs> you know, I, I live as good a life as you do. <laughs> Words come cheap. We find that with Daniel, it could have cost him everything. But in the end, won the heart of the king, and he became a great man in the kingdom. He made a resolution, and he stuck to it. God blessed it. You know, did you ever think about the fact that Daniel was a long ways from home? He was in a place where nobody else, the rest of them wouldn't have known what he was doing anyway. Find that. He could very easily have followed today's motto of, when in Rome, do as the Romans, right? I don't think Paul, if he ever heard of it, he certainly didn't follow it. Daniel knew the blessings of the Lord because he was willing to reach. He resolved to live right for God, regardless of the cost. You know, God needs people like that today with the resolve to live right for Him despite what others are doing, despite what society says, be a blessing. We find that the Bible gives us many other examples. I'll give you one other now and we'll use this in closing Jacob resolved to bring his tithes to the Lord. And he was a young man that had sinned against his father and his brother. He was running away from home. And his first night out, he lay there homeless, sleeping under the stars. He had a dream. He saw a ladder that extended from earth right up into heaven. He saw all these angels that were ascending up and descending down, up and down this ladder. That dream had such an impact on his life. When he woke up, he looked up to God. 
that he resolved to do something. He spoke these words. He says, if you will go with me, I will live for you and surely give thee one-tenth of all that I shall earn. Did he bide his way into heaven? <laughs> no. He just come to realize the importance of God and the place that God needed to have in his life. Now, truth is, when we read about Jacob's life, he, he failed a few times and he wasn't always faithful. His humanness came out a few times, but boy, when he did what he told the Lord he did, when he was living for the Lord, the blessings were just heaped upon him. When he made that promise, he didn't have a whole lot to offer God. Maybe a, I don't know if he had a bundle of clothes and a little bit of food with him. That was it. What he could carry, you know, was it. And when he came back to that same place years later, he was a very wealthy man indeed. Now that's not a promise that you're going to become rich just by resolving to live for the Lord and to give him his portion of what he blesses you with. But I can promise you this, the blessings of the Lord are certain. They're sure. You can live your life with them or you can live your life without them in the coming year. Jesus is the one that said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Look, sometimes the blessings are material. But always, always, the blessings are spiritual. Sometimes they're material as well, but always spiritual. God honors obedience. The songwriter had it on Mark when he said, Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. This one thing. I do in 2010. Are you going to be pressing towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus? What is your goal? I guarantee you, if you don't have a mark, if you don't have a goal, if you don't have somewhere that you're headed with your life, then chances are you won't go anywhere. But if you're heading to that goal line, if you're heading to that one that's the high calling, the highest calling in your life, that's in Christ Jesus. To get there, this one thing that you do, you've got to forget those things which are behind. You've got to be willing to repent. And you've got to reach forward for those things which are before you. That's going to take some resolve. If you're not willing to to set those goals, to reach for them, and to resolve to do them, it just won't happen. You'll mark up another if God allows you to be here in 2011. It'll be another wasted year, another so-so year. Folks, I'm not saying worry about what it's even going to count in man's eyes. Will 2010 be your best year ever? For the Lord Jesus Christ. Not because of what you do, but because more than ever, what He is going to do with your life and through your life. Now, God willing, as we come back tonight, we'll look at just a couple of more examples of this resolve. But then I want us to look at the pressing. You see, the forgetting requires repentance. The reaching requires resolve, but the pressing, it requires some resourcefulness. Where do we get it from? We want to look at that this evening, God willing. Father, thank you for our time together this morning. Father, as we begin a new year, we realize, Lord, that to many, this may have just been another, another sermon that they've endured or sat through or listen to or not listen to. But Father, I pray that you may have spoken to hearts as you did to mine with this passage. It's your words. 
in your spirit. But Lord, we haven't attained, we haven't arrived, we haven't laid hold yet. And Father, if we want 2010 to be more than just another passing wasted year, then I pray you'd help us from the simple text this morning to do as the Apostle Paul, to forget those things which are behind. Lord, by through repentance and putting them under the blood, may they truly be forgotten for all of eternity. We know we failed you. We know that this year needs to be more. But Father, help us to put them under the blood, to forget it and to leave it behind and to reach, Lord, to reach forward as we press towards that mark, that goal of the high calling. Lord, that, that's what we want in our lives for this year ahead. The prize that is above all prizes Father, we pray that you might speak to hearts today. And if there's those that have never really been saved, would you show them that so that even this day, well, they can begin with the greatest new beginning of all. And for every Christian here, Father, you know our desire for them, Lord, is just that they might have truly a happy new year, a joyous new year, because of being in the closest, sweetest possible fellowship with you and with each other. Father, I pray that you would help us as a church family. Help us, Lord, to be united in heart, in cause. And Father, may 2010 be something that as we together press towards the mark. Father, that you may be able to accomplish in this place what you would see fit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.